0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
1: So, Kathy. Yeah? As you know, every once in a while, we like to open up our Nancy mailbag,
2: if you <laughs> will. I love mail. You, you know. love mail. Yeah, you know that.
1: So we get a lot of emails, letters, you name it. And a lot of that mail is questions from listeners looking for some
2: advice. Which is super flattering. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, you and I, we don't quite have the qualifications.
1: So we don't have the proper expertise—not at all, like at all, not at like all. At all. But luckily, we know someone who does. From WNYC Studios, this is Nancy, with your hosts Tobin Low and Kathy Too.
2: So today we've brought in our friend JP Brammer.
1: Hi, JP. Hi. You write an advice column called Ola Poppy for the queer publication Them. So just easy question right off the bat, when did you realize you had every single answer?
0: Early in life. <laughs> I, I think I just came into this world in the know.
2: <laughs> okay, okay, but actually I what I want to know is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten?
0: Oh my god, it's the one that I hold very close to my heart. It was um, when I was in middle school. And I was about to go to the school dance. And I was really, really terrified about dancing in front of other people. And I sort of vocalized this to my mom when we were back home. And she turned to me and she was like, no one's going to be looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) But it was this very empowering thing that reminds me, like, no one is thinking about me as hard as I'm thinking about me. And it's a way to sort of get out of that, of my own head. And sort of just let myself be. Because I deserve to just be without flagellating myself from thinking, oh, can I do this? Can I do that? How
1: are people going to respond to this? So why don't we jump right in? Let's do it.
2: We've got a question from a woman named Tanya who turns 30 this year, and while she's come out as bi to a few of her sisters, she hasn't told her whole family. And she says she wishes she'd fully come out years ago, but also fears rejection from her family. She writes, the questions and the judgment and the possibility of not seeing some of my family again is scary. So how do I reconcile these two worlds? Do I treat it like a Band-Aid and just tear it off to get it over with, or tell my mom and have her tell everyone?
0: Mm, yes. JP,
2: what do you think? How do you navigate the space where you go from being somewhat out to, like, all the way out?
0: Mm, I think that the first thing that Tanya should do is realize that there's no one perfect time to come out and no perfect number of people to be out to. I think that for a lot of queer people, it's not about being out to absolutely everyone. It's about sort of assessing who you want to be out to, who you need to be out to, and what that can do for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that Tanya is sort of playing this, um, it has to be everyone <laughs> type mm-hmm. thing. Um, and there, there can be a lot of pressure in that because you want the people that you love to know who you are. And you want to be open and be yourself. Um, I just think that she needs to figure out if that's really the case for her. Mm. But it sounds like she's putting extra pressure on herself by saying, I'm about to turn 30, and I'm still not out to my entire family. That sounds like a rule that we never agreed upon. (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't at the, like, coven meeting where we were like, you must all be out to your entire family. 30 seems right. (laughs) By the time you yeah it's just like, I wasn't aware of it. Maybe that passed an emotion that I wasn't present for, but I think that she should, like, lay off herself on that end. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, I don't know about telling her mom so that her mom can then tell everyone else— I would be interested to gather some thoughts on that because that's not something I would do. But, Tobin, is that something you did?
1: (laughs) Unintentionally?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you just knew she was, like, gossipy sort of and, like, would tell everyone or what?
1: This is a decision my mom made on her own. Which is to say that I was out to – so, like, you're saying, like, decide the people who you really think need to know. And that's, like, okay. And so I had come out to the people I felt really needed to know. And then I think what happened is that my mom knew I was coming home for some kind of family reunion and it was going to come up. And so she used that as an opportunity to send a family wide email. Oh, wow. To everyone in the extended family that said Tobin is gay. He is our gay son. We love him. I'm He's imagining been, uh, rainbow
0: flag gifts I, in the email. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it was funny because, like, the rest of the family was cool with it, but uh-huh. she wrote it in such a way that was almost confrontational.
2: <laughs> it was almost <laughs> I like— dare you to have a problem with yeah, it.
1: <laughs> listen I to me, you homophobic love, motherfuckers.
0: <laughs> I love a hostile press release. That's so good. <laughs> That's incredible to me. I mean, like, probably problematic, but amazing at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I kind of did something similar— in that, the people that I thought needed to know I was out were my immediate family who lived in the United States, and my extended family were all in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And I came out to my family here, but I kind of left it up to my mom to come out to everybody else in Taiwan because I felt like that was important to her and didn't matter to me whether or not they knew. So I just left that I left that up to her.
1: Yeah, but yeah.
2: but but I made it clear that when I showed up in Taiwan, I wasn't going to hide anything. Right. So yeah. you can tell them, or I'll tell them eventually. So
0: my problem here is that. Tanya, if I tell you to go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off, which I would love it if you did, I'm not going to have you being like, Ola Poppy destroyed all of my <laughs> familial relationships because I did what he told me to do and I came out to my entire family and they've disowned me. Yeah. It's not going to be on my head. I think, that what, <laughs> I think that what you need to do is figure out who do I need to know because that is something that can totally be done on your terms, right? This whole everyone needs to know right now thing. Figure out, Tanya, if that's really what you're after right Mm -hmm. here, or maybe think back and say, okay, I need my mom to know. I need my dad to know. I need my cousins to know, et cetera, and then take it from there.
1: I'll just add that if, Tanya, you do decide to come out to more people, having people already in your family who are cool with it, I've had the experience of, like, having somebody who's cool with it be there with you so that they can immediately model good behavior. Mm
2: -hmm. So it's like—
1: you can share with a person that you're queer, you're whatever, and there's immediately someone there who can be like, "Tanya told me x number of months ago, years ago, and this is like how I came to deal with it or how I came to understand it, and yeah. you're like blah blah blah." So they can like immediately be like, "Here's how you can get to being cool with it." Right. <laughs> that that I have found that's is a great like a idea. Useful yeah. Tool if you decide, but I totally agree. Like you need to decide. Is this a thing you have to do because of an arbitrary clock?
0: We're going to take your card away. (laughs) You're going to be a hetero. (laughs) Don't hurry
1: it up, Tanya.
2: No, but you don't have to.
1: (laughs) Shall we move on with a question from a listener we'll call Larry? I've been feeling kind of stuck lately. I'm in my 20s, and it seems that every queer couple around me, be it my friends' couples, the ones I see on
0: TV, even thirst traps on Instagram, they're all in open relationships. Despite the huge number of open relationships in the gay community, I can't bring myself to feel remotely comfortable with being in one. I've tried it, and I hated it, which sucks because the guy I tried it with was great. So basically, what I want to know is, am I a bad gay?
1: Okay, so JP, Mm -hmm. does being queer mean you have to be comfortable with being in an open relationship?
0: Larry, being queer does not mean you have to be in an open relationship, or even like— be around people in open relationships. There are no set rules for this sort of thing. I think that you're kind of going out of your way here to care about that. I mean, sure, you can feel this pressure, especially, like, in online spaces where you see all these people who are polyamorous or have more than one partner, and that's their business, Larry. <laughs> I mean, you can, find, you can find a lot of people out there who are into monogamy and who, like, like you for you. I think that you're sort of placing an insecurity that you have onto the blank canvas of other people's relationships, and that's what you actually need to tackle here.
2: Yeah. I'm just going to jump in here and say that I dislike the fact that there's a hierarchy in terms of types of relationships Mm -hmm. one can have. Like, open relationship is, like, the most evolved form of a relationship, which is not true. They're all just different kinds of relationships.
1: I personally really respond to this use of the term bad gay Mm -hmm. because it's a thing I felt so much when I was, like, discovering my queerness, and I still feel it all the time. And, like, oftentimes when I, like, use that term, it's because of this idea that there's something I should be doing or, like, should be comfortable with because I'm queer. Yeah, And it's like, now I'm like, you're only a bad gay if you're judging other people's decisions.
0: Right. And I think you, you really have to set up your own criteria for what makes a good and bad gay, because you're going to encounter so many different ones. Like, to this person who's, like, super queer and in this polyamorous relationship, a good gay is somebody who's open to be having more than one partner, sure. But then to Mike Pence, it's all of us <laughs> that are bad gays. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to figure out how do I like myself as a person and as a gay person? And that's not going to look the same for everyone, which is why you need your own criteria, because you're way too concerned, Larry, with am I good enough in this person's eyes or that person's eyes? And I really like what you said because it's like some people do see themselves as the more evolved queer for having an atypical relationship, which is why you really need to be firm and strong in yourself and say, that's not for me. It's great that someone's into that. I'm looking for this.
1: Okay, we got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about insecurity. Oh, girl. (laughs) Oh, honey.
2: Nancy, we'll be back in a minute.
1: And we're back. Kathy, please read us the next question.
2: Okay. This comes from a 28-year-old gay guy we're calling Martin who lives in Mexico. Martin says the only healthy relationship he's ever had lasted two weeks, and that was about three years ago. He writes, Since that relationship, I went out with two or three guys that are really nice, but when they want to get to know me more, I panic. And the reason is because I've never been good at socializing, and my circle of friends is super small, about two or three people. Martin says he struggles even more because he's HIV positive and feels that makes him unworthy or like people just don't want to be with him. He doesn't want to rush to settle for the first guy, but it'd be nice to not have his issues get in the way. So, JP, what advice do you have specifically about overcoming these feelings of insecurity?
0: So, Martin has been very specific about his situation here, but actually this is far and away the most common question I get in Olapopi: is, how do I be more confident? How do I sort of break out of my shell and find a guy that way And I think it has less to do with the individual issues they pin it on and more to do with their daily attitude and outlook on life because I am of the impression that confidence is this really beautiful lie that you just sort of have to embody every single day. You really Mm -hmm. have to say, I'm great, I'm amazing, I'm deserving, and just embody that and live it as best as you can until you do believe it because I think that's where you find yourself open to new opportunities because... Everyone's always like, guys just don't like me. And for me, it's like, who are guys? Because it's not all of them. Yeah. (laughs) Second of all, Martin's really smart because I think he's already said, like, I'm using these as a crutch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's, like, blocking my own opportunities. He's already understood that. There are a lot of people who do that without really knowing that's what they're doing. They just think, like, well, I guess I'm trash and I'm broken and no one, like, likes me. Um, But I think Martin's really cognizant of, like, it's my attitude on myself that's really preventing me from this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, confidence isn't something that you can just sort of um, attain one day as a prize. It's something that you decide you have. And you just have to, like, do your best to put your whole foot and body into it, I think.
1: Man, that's so true. I'm thinking back to, like, when I was in the online dating world. And there was so much focus on who wasn't returning messages Mm -hmm. as opposed to who was. Mm -hmm. You know, or, like, who was reaching out first. That is such a real thing. I don't know if I have advice for this. I'm just saying that's so real.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think Martin, this is advice that I've had to take myself is I had to reevaluate who am I looking for attention from? And it mm. turns out to be people who I want approval from because I think they're better than me <laughs> or oh, I think boy. that they're or I think <laughs> oh, that they're boy. above me in yeah, some way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so them looking at me and validating me makes me feel like, "Oh, guys do like me because you like me." Mm-hmm. That is a sort of gamifying of dating and of human relationships that I think A lot of apps, for example, sort of perpetuate where it's just like I need to score the highest score (laughs) or I need to make the most points. And this person has the most points because I like him, but I think he's like out of my league in some way. Um, And so I think you need to sort of reassess your own values, reassess um, what you're kind of looking for. And if it's unrealistic, because for me, it has been in the past, not because I think these people actually are like more attractive than me, more intelligent than me, et cetera, but because I have a lower opinion of myself than I want to reckon with. And I Mm -hmm. think that these people validating me will fix that, when it just won't. Jesus.
1: I'm just going to quickly cancel my therapy for this (laughs) week. (laughs) We did it already.
0: I also just, like, wanted to quickly add that I think that a lot of the things that Martin described are real stigmas that we encounter. Like, for Mm. example, um, being HIV positive, that is a very real stigma. There's a lot of misconceptions around that. Same with having different body types, same mm-hmm. with not being white, being a certain height, et cetera. There are all these different things that people can exclude you for. Yeah. And when you define yourself by who's excluding you, that gets into your head. Yeah. And it sort of justifies all these pre-held beliefs of you not being worthy enough. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Martin, take a look at who you're trying to score <laughs> and see if there's ways that you can change that, even just for a, as an experiment for like a month or so. Yeah. See what happens.
1: Kathy, you're out there right now.
2: I'm out there. are you dating on the apps. Are you having (laughs) any
1: of these insecurities on the apps? Uh,
2: A little bit, but I think more so than anything, I learned that the thing that I have to do is I have to look at somebody's picture very quickly and decide immediately right or left. Because otherwise, Mm. I start analyzing every little detail. (laughs) Yeah. And by the time I get to the sixth picture, we've already had a life together. (laughs) And I just got (laughs) to move on. (laughs)
1: You know, it's funny that you say that, though, because I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but part of me read Martin's Ask for Advice and felt like maybe Martin is getting ahead of himself with the guys he is dating. Mm. Yeah. Martin is asking questions of, like, who am I supposed to end up with? Right, before he even gets to know some of these guys. Like, Queer fatalism. Saying, yeah. <laughs> God.
0: <laughs> oh. But yeah, you're right. I, I sometimes get into that headspace where it's like I see someone within five seconds of speaking to them. I'm like, this is not my husband. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are not the man who will provide for me in the, in the harsh Nordic winters, you know. Um, and that sort of thinking can sort of poison the dynamic ahead of its time because part of the excitement is getting to know someone. And it's yeah, really mm-hmm. hard to know someone with such a short amount of time if you're just doing it all on the apps or even in person within the first five minutes. Um, so, like, opening up a little bit to expectations and letting people surprise you a little bit is a good antidote to that.
1: Yeah. So two things, Martin. Confidence. Wear it like a merch T-shirt from RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> uh, and the second thing is maybe slow your roll just a little bit. Maybe yes. you're taking a little fast. Queer yeah. fatalism.
2: One date at a time, huh?
1: JP, I feel like I've learned so much from you being here today. Me too. Oh, thank you. Thank
2: you for being here. I
0: love being here.
2: Helping out the universe.
0: Fixing everything.
1: Yeah. You do have all the answers. (laughs) (laughs) That right there was advice columnist JP Brammer. He writes a weekly column over at them.us.
2: And if you've got questions for us here at Nancy, send them to advice at nancypodcast.org.
1: It is credits time. Our producers. Matt Collette and Alice Wilder. Sound design. Jeremy Bloom and Anya Zeshek. Editor. Jenny Lawton.
2: Executive producer.
1: Paula Schumann. I'm Kathy Tu. I'm Tobin Lowe.
2: And Nancy is a production of WNYC Studios.
1: I want to know what's the worst bit of advice you've ever gotten.
2: Yeah, what's the worst?
1: Oh my goodness!
0: Um, be nice to the gentleman fancy; they'll be nice to you. No. <laughs>
1: wow! Be nice to the gentleman fancy.
0: I'm sorry; those are Reba McIntyre lyrics. I'm letting my <laughs> my Oklahoma come out. <laughs>